everyone, welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 119, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. So hello to YouTube. Joining, as always, uh, well, we, we don't have Richard this weekend, or this week, so we really miss him. We will have him back next week, so enjoy your, your vacation there, Richard. <laughs> we'll miss you. But Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, is joining us. What is up, Seth? What's going on, Jazz? Ah, oh, ready? I'm excited. We got new standard. We got this was I have to say, this was maybe maybe the craziest week since I started covering magic. Such a weird week all around. <laughs> yeah, so just Seth and I this week, uh Chaz as always uh just general uh, MTG content focusing on the financial aspect and Seth's an all around jank brewer and uh all around content creators. So yeah, uh, Seth pretty much the mood for, the set the mood for us here. Um, we had another crazy change in standard, an addendum to the, the BNR announcement that we talked about last week. Um, we posted the podcast and then a couple days, I think it was like 24 hours later, there was a change. Turns out Felidar Guardian is now banned in standard. So all the talk that we, uh, mentioned last week is, uh, now off the table. And uh, it was actually great because uh, Seth and I recorded uh, the top 10 for Standard in Amonkhet, and it was just kind of great timing this time. We didn't get uh, destroyed <laughs> with the uh, BNR announcements uh, like last time. So uh, we will talk about uh, the BNR that will naturally segue us into the first large tournament featuring Amonkhet, SEG Atlanta. Uh, we will talk about the EDH ban list update. Uh, we didn't get to talk about that last week. That was updated right after we uploaded the podcast, like legitimately like an hour after. So uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. And uh, then we have a boatload of fish mail. So, yeah, uh, let's get right to it, Seth. They banned Faladar Guardian. Not a lot of time to react to that. Um, it was basically cutting off at least a few days of testing or any, you know, some real testing time for everyone that was going to SEG Atlanta and hoping to, you know, have uh, some more, I guess, data and, and testing under their belt to bring new decks to standard. But turns out, it, I think it was really the, the best decision. Uh, I know <laughs> people were already talking about the, the top eight finish and there was a lot of martyr vehicles still. Uh, what do you think about all that? Because I, I think, uh, people are jumping, getting ahead of themselves here. Oh, all right. Well, first off, as far as the bannings, I think me and you were both in agreement when we podcasted last week that we wish they had banned Felidar Guardian, thought they maybe made a mistake by not banning Felidar Guardian on Monday. So the end result of them banning Felidar Guardian, I think is a good thing. And I think it's really good for standard. The process of getting there was about as bad as it gets. Like, I don't know if they could really come up with a worse way to ban Felidar Guardian than to say it's not banned uh, on Monday and then Wednesday night at like 8 o'clock at night all of a sudden say, oh, by the way, just kidding, it actually is banned. So the process was really bad and discouraging, but hopefully the fact that they made the right decision in the end will outweigh the negative aspects of it. I just feel really bad because, you know, there's some percentage of people that were waiting for the BNR announcement to get their standard deck for Amonkhet, saw the no bannings, and were like, okay, like, 
maybe Felidar Guardian will end up being banned at the next announcement in six weeks, but I'm going to like buy this deck. It's the best deck in the format. And then to have that happen two days later, it's just so bad. So I don't know. Good decision in the end. Horrible process for getting there. As far as standard, I mean, I think standard is going to be good. I think it's going to be awesome. And we mentioned Wednesday night, this all came down. I don't know why anyone would have expected anything other than Mardu vehicles to show up at SCG Atlanta as the best deck. Like if you think about it, competitive players that have been playing were grinding last season. If there's two decks that you're going to own, it would be copycat and Mardu vehicles. So if you're one deck gets banned on two nights before the tournament, it makes a lot of sense just to like play the other deck that you know is good, that has a track record. It's literally with the banning, the only other tier deck in standard from the last standard. So I think it makes a lot of sense that people picked it up. And in reality, yes, it got a lot of copies in the top eight, but it was only 18 of the top 64, which is a lot. It's in the high 20% range, but honestly, that's less than it was previously when Felidar Guardian was in the format. And the rest of the format wasn't 35-40% Felidar Guardian in a couple fringe decks. It was, like, pretty diverse, and there was a ton of other archetypes in the other 70% of the top 64. Yeah, so I guess we'll kind of... I'll, I'll touch on a couple of different things, because I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, the first things first, like, I, I get it. There's always... But there's always going to be a percentage of players that are going to be affected negatively from an announcement like this. And I get it. It sucks. It, it's it's a feel bad. I I understand the the, the frustration. Uh, you know, I agree. They kind of botched this whole thing. I mean, I think the whole reason we have all these BNR announcements is to announce <laughs> on the BNR announcement, right? Like that would be <laughs> logical. I think people. That's what people are expecting. Uh, but you know, for me, it was the kind of the whole data thing. Like, how could you have no not enough data? two like two days prior and then realize like this has to go but you know what they come to the they came to the right decision the card needed to go uh i i do think it's the best thing for the format uh it was just going to stifle the entire format and it, it was just going to be awful all around i mean having to i mean not just for us for for content's sake but just in general i mean i i just it was not going to be good um and through testing up until, you know, you know, coming weekend, it was just pretty obvious that you're handing a lot of new and great tools to the best deck. I mean, that's pretty much what it came down to. It was a hard fact to realize, but I mean, Sahili didn't get any worse. It only actually got better. So it just needed to go. And in terms of vehicles at this, at this, uh, at SCG Atlanta, I don't think it really made a clear cut case that it's still the best deck. Like, I just, yeah, it's strong. Obviously, it was a it was a strong choice going into the weekend because it's a known quantity. I mean, really, there was literally no innovation to be had. You already kind of had, you know, an idea in mind of what this deck needs to look like. I mean, they pretty much adopted like what one or two cards from Amonkhet, so yeah. it really just wasn't uh, hard to sleeve up a known quantity in Mardu vehicles and just take it to the tournament while other people are kind of figuring out new synergies and figuring out uh, the best answers to this deck. And, and I think people are going to get there. Uh, I, I saw some lists that I thought were really good, even though they didn't make the top eight. Uh, one did. I thought the mono black aggro list by uh, Caleb uh, was piloted by Caleb was actually really sweet, but you know, uh, it, it's going to take some time. So, 
again, I just didn't think it made the case that we it's all doom and gloom. You know, Marvel vehicle, Marvel vehicles is going to take over. It's going to be a strong deck, but I don't think any of the other decks are that much worse. Like, I don't think the gap is you know as huge as it was before when it was kind of just like copycat and then the rest of the field by a fairly mar- large margin. Yeah, I'm actually still very hopeful. I think people are, I mean, a few things are going on. This is normally week ones are not necessarily that predictive of what standard ends up looking like over the long term. Like we've kind of researched that in the past and sometimes the best deck from the first weekend's event ends up being a tier deck or even the best deck. But more often than not, the big deck from week one doesn't end up being this dominant force in standard. So you already don't want to read too much into a week one performance. There hasn't been a pro tour, et cetera, et cetera. In this week one is even more of an exception to the rule because of just the compressed time frame. Like normally there's not even any debate over whether something's getting banned. As soon as the spoilers come out, you know what standard's going to look like. Everyone was already getting off to a late start because of this BNR announcement on Monday, and then it became a doubly late start because of the emergency banning on Wednesday. So I don't really read much into this result at all, other than I think it looked really diverse. I'm not at all surprised that tons of Mardu vehicles were there, but... I don't think that that means anything. I'm more happy to see zombies doing well. We see various green-black decks. We see humans decks, some Etherworks decks, control decks that maybe weren't all the way there yet, but were good enough that I think you'll find a good Torrential Gearhulk deck that's going to be very strong, a merge deck. So I was more... I guess, happy with the results and took it as an encouraging sign considering just the weirdness that led up to this event. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think these decks will continue to, you know, evolve and, and kind of settle on better, tighter lists that, you know, play better answers or play the better uh, combination of cards. And and I totally agree with you. I was really excited to kind of see past the Maru vehicles finish and see all these, these decks uh, coming back. I mean, we haven't seen a merge in quite some time. We were seeing it here and there, but it looked like a merge, like, was pretty strong again. We see the Alchemist list. We see the green blacklist start popping up again. That that's normally fine. I mean, I think people are a little tired of the green blacklist, but that's just kind of the standard like good stuff list that it's like jund almost. So I, I think that's a good sign that the deck can now emerge again and 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 be good. And then you get your whole various aggressive lists like the humans list that can get better. I mean, I think there's more variety than just vehicles kind of being that streamlined uh, aggressive list. So uh, again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm really excited to see where this goes. And uh, again, I just don't feel like Mardu, you know, came into that tournament and made the case that it's still the best deck bar none. I mean, th- there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And one other thing to consider is if you think about how magic decks develop and how they become tier decks, it takes a while. So, it's kind of silly to think that someone building mono black aggro or Jund or a zombie deck is going to sit down and on the first take build a hundred percent optimal deck. Like you're maybe you're hitting 50%, 60%. Like you're, you're not there on the first week and that's not a knock to the people building the decks. That's just not how deck development works. On the other hand, 
Mardu Vehicles is already 100%. Like you mentioned, it's playing very few new cards, a couple cut to ribbons, and that's basically the innovation. And this deck has been around a long time, and it's already very optimized. So not only does it have some advantages thanks to the schedule, but it's just more optimal than the other decks. So I think once we see... Uh, these aggro decks, these green-black decks, these other new decks, zombie decks, get closer to optimal, they're going to put up a lot better of a fight against vehicles, which is already optimal. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've we've talked about this before. You've written articles about it. I mean, the data is actually there that normally these weak ones are not indicative of much. Uh, but it's still good to see that, you know, I think it's refreshing that Copycat is gone and all these new decks can kind of still flourish. Let's just say even if Martyr Vehicles continues to be a strong deck, I don't think it's going to be a huge gap, even if it is. I, I, it can stick around. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing if the deck sticks around, as long as there's other viable options, you know, three or four viable options. I don't think people are going to say standard is all as as bad or anything when, you know, if, if vehicle sticks around. I, I think just copycat was just too much. It it's it wasn't going to get any worse and it just had to go. Um and and it's I, I absolutely agree with your your deck building, you know, statement there because we've seen it. I mean in other formats. I mean you've seen uh, BNR announcements where they would unban uh, certain cards for dredge and then, you know, new cards would come into the pool and, you know, it would take months and months later to develop a, an amazing, you know, dredge list that we've know, you know, we've come to know and, you know, had to get rebanned. But <laughs> you just, you know how that goes. So, yeah. Um, and, and just one more thing about the, the timing on all of this. I mean... I just think it was a little awkward, and if we're going to, I mean, if we're going to have all these announcements, I mean, maybe just scrap the announcements if there's, like, an emergency ban, because, I mean, I just don't understand how you do this, how you do it that way. Uh, I mean, I I'm glad that they came to the right conclusion, but <laughs> that's just, it's just not, it just does not look good at the end of the day. Yeah, to piggyback on that, the the thing that probably, there are a lot of things that bothered me, but maybe the thing that bothered me most is the initial announcement that basically said, we just, we need more data. We want to see what happens with the Pro Tour. We want to see what Omnicat Standard looks like. And if that is part of the criteria for banning something, why is there even a ban list? during spoilers before a set releases like if this is like how wizards looks at things so i don't know one i wrote an article about this and one of the things that i came to the conclusion of is i think we need to go back to four announcements a year instead of eight i think this is gonna get really old and i think the because the magic economy and community has grown so big and there's so many content producers and podcasters like us and YouTubers and all this stuff, even if there's not going to be changes, it's an easy talking point. So even if there's not going to be changes, we're going to do a podcast and talk about what could change or what might change. And having that happen a few times a year is one thing, but having it happen every six weeks creates this major level of uncertainty that I think is really detrimental for the average player. So even if nothing ends up getting banned, there's always this cloud of like, oh, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about bannings and this might change and it just creates yep. this confusion and uncertainty. So even when Wizards know changes, it's a bad thing. And I think I think it's just happening too often under this new eight-time-a-year schedule. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it was bad enough four times a year where the Jace the Mind Sculptor, is it going <laughs> to get unbanned and modern? <laughs> like, I mean, every, literally every single 
announcement that has happened in what the last few years that constantly comes up every single time. And I just, I just quite frankly, can't take it eight times a year. It's just (laughs) completely nuts. And, and I mean, I think that just goes into the whole, uh, banning culture that that, that's probably a whole nother like 45 minutes. But, um, yeah, I I totally agree. I just, I I think they need to kind of scale it back and, you're right. If they're going to use that as criteria, because I can actually agree with that. I mean, I don't think pulling the trigger too early. You know, I do think waiting and, and seeing if something can shake up uh, the format is probably the right solution. But I mean, then if you're not even going to do that and turn around two days later, do it. I mean, I don't know. And then so but to to touch on a couple of uh things that were kind of said that day and, and this last kind of week is get it right the first time and don't get it wrong at all. I mean, I mean, come on. How can you – that is just not a viable argument. I mean, you know, mistakes are going to be made. The, the, the game has been out for so long that it's just bound to happen. Yes, like maybe it's like kind of just happened a lot over the, the, the last year or the last few months rather, but – I mean, it just, maybe that's just how the variants happened. I mean, I just, it just, that is just not a constructive argument to, to come out of this with, um, you know, especially after they admitted their mistake and they're trying to correct it. I, I don't think slamming them further on that, you know, point and just beating it, you know, beating a dead horse is really the way to go. So I, I just, you know, it's fine. I, I get it. The the biggest actually problem with me or for me was they announced it at like eight o'clock at night. And I was <laughs> like going home and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I, I don't know. But the general consensus, even uh, I drafted most of the weekend uh, for the release um, weekend. Uh, the general consensus uh, amongst players was that, uh, you know, it was the right decision because I think people are just kind of tired of it. Yeah, I just just to say I I agree that beating a dead horse doesn't do anything, but I haven't completely forgiven Wizards for Felidar Guardian. The thing, I can I can understand the mistakes will happen with cards like Smuggler's Copter. It's a new card type. You want to make sure it sees play. You go sure, a little too sure. far. But Felidar Guardian is a just such an obvious combo piece that it, it's hard for me to just be like, oh, okay, you made a mistake. Like, that's the kind of card that you gotta be double checking like that's just not a kind of card that you can make a mistake with like you can make with emerkel being a little too good or copter being a little too good so i have a hard time with that one still but you are correct that just saying that over and over again isn't gonna change anything at this point or be productive yeah i mean i guess uh, just for me and uh, okay i am a little biased I, i understand but i mean just coming just so i can explain i mean just where i'm coming from i mean i've lived through it I mean, I've lived through Skull Clamp. I've lived through Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> I've lived through Stoneforge Mystic. So obviously mistakes happen. So <laughs> I've kind of gotten used to it. Uh, if folks kind of didn't live through those era, I can understand. Uh, this is kind of like their first <laughs> window, <laughs> looking through the window into sometimes these cards are a little too good. Like Emrakul that you were saying from day one. Smuggler's Copters, obviously, like you said, it was kind of a new card. They didn't really know how to gauge it. And now Felidar Guardian, yeah, I guess was a little easier to, to kind of change or alter or even completely scrap beforehand when they realize like oh this is like an easy two card combo we can't really have this I, so i i get it another thing though to that is hopeful is if you look back at those instances you mentioned uh skull clamp in affinity mirrored in era then you had uh jace out of those mistakes it feels like wizards redoubles their effort 
And often yeah. that leads into really great standards. Like after Mirrodin, Ravnica Kamigawa. Like a lot of oh. people, including you, cite that as a great standard. After oh, so good. the Jace fiasco, we had <laughs> yep. Innistrad, which was a great standard. A lot of people look back on Innistrad standard very favorably. So in that sense, like Wizards messes up every five or six years. I don't know if they get lackadaisical, forget some of this stuff after a while. But usually good things come out of it in the long run afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think uh, Amonkhet, this block, is going to usher in a pretty good standard. I mean, I really love this set. I know you have kind of drafted it over the re- release. Um, you know, I drafted it all weekend. I mean, I just, I love this set. I've heard- I think it's really fun. And, and, I mean, between, like I said, I think we both agree that we've seen actually some really good things happening in standard. Yes, Martyr Vehicles, uh, to reiterate, is, is still good, but... I mean, I just, I'm seeing a lot of great stuff and a lot of great, uh, cards from Amonkhet that are enabling new archetypes. Like you said, the zombies, the, uh, there's just straight up like black aggro list, uh, and, and those interactions with Dread Wanderer and Bone Picker and, uh, you know, uh, Collective Brutality and Never to Return. So all these cards are starting to, you know, surface and I think it's really great. Oh, that mono black deck. I remember watching my camera just like, oh, it's so- it's so janky. Like, oh, it night, does look night like market that, lookout. Turn two. Cast my walking ballista for zero, so it dies. Bone picker, you like. <laughs> but it worked. I mean, it got top eight. It just on paper, <laughs> it, it looks so ridiculous. It does, but uh, yeah, I, I I do think that's something that can you know change and get better. All right, so that kind of wraps up uh, the ban announcement and SCG Atlanta. Uh, Seth. We didn't get to talk about the EDH banning. Uh, we did talk about this uh, beforehand, before we started recording. So just for everyone that, that knows this, uh, it was released right after we released the podcast last week. But Leovold is now banned, and Protean Hulk is unbanned, which uh, caused uh, quite a bit of a spike <laughs> on Protean Hulk. If anyone was trying to rush out to get uh, them, uh, probably was not happy to see them at like 15 20 bucks. Uh, that same day and probably going forward. Um, so, uh, what do you think of this? I know kind of just, let's just kind of get back into the, that discussion we were having of, you know, <laughs> I don't think everyone always agrees. This kind of seemed a little arbitrary with the Protean Hulk thing, but I can fully understand Leovold finally kind of making it on that announcement. I was expecting this to be a lot sooner. Uh, but I guess I was right. Within the year, uh, pretty much is gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, did not last long. It's too good. I'm definitely on board with Leovold being banned as well. It's it's one of those cards. It's not only very good, but it's also just really unfun. Leovold into a, like a wheel effect is just. It's not a fun way to play commander, and commander more so than a lot of formats is about having fun and it's about like the social interaction and it it just like the Leovold decks work against what I see commander as being about. So I am not sad at all to see it banned. Uh, As far as Hulk, I have no clue what they're thinking. Like I, what is the upside of having Hulk in the format? Like why do you really just want another really easy turn two infinite combo that anyone can play? So I, I don't know what their thought process is. I guess it's probably fine, but it's just so, I don't, I don't know if I see the upside of unbanning Hulk and commander. Yeah. I think if we kind of were extremely invested in EDH, it would make more sense or less sense, <laughs> but they kind of seems divided. So it seems to me that, 
there is like a little bit of confusion or, you know, folks that just really wanted it back or don't want it back. But uh, to me, when I kind of see stuff like this, and we talked about this, so like what eventually, like how does how does these happen? Like how does <laughs> Protean Hulk come off the ban list, but yet like a card like Soul Ring has gone on for so long? Like what's the what's the ultimately the huge criteria here? Because I don't know, maybe uh, obviously there'll be comments if I'm getting this wrong, but uh, I haven't seen. Uh, at least recently, like, why was, like, suddenly Protean Hulk? Was that something that has been on the radar for a long time? That's not something that I saw, but, you know, <laughs> then you made the comment, so I'll let you make the comment again uh, about their, you know, kind of in their own little bubble, their play group, and how that determines, you know, <laughs> something like this for everyone. I don't know if that's always the best uh, outcome, because, like we just talked about, I mean, how does this, you know, get back into the pool, but... You know, Soul Ring's okay. Yeah, the way Commander Bannings work is really odd compared to the rest of Magic. Basically, they uh, Sheldon Mentory is the one that does the Bannings and kind of runs into your thing. But from what I've heard and what my impression is that they pretty much play Commander and based on their games of Commander, that's how cards get banned or unbanned. And sometimes it feels like there's not a lot of rhyme and reason to it. I, I think that they do a good job, generally speaking, and it's nothing against them, but some of the cards that are unbanned just seem so good compared to random stuff that ends up getting banned. When you ban random six, seven, ten drop creatures, but you can have uh, openings where you go Soul Ring into Mana Vault into play a whatever, seven drop on turn two, like that's those cards are way more broken to me than random seven drops that ramp you and stuff. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see with it picking up on Moto. This was the other thing we were talking about. If that changes how bannings work in Commander or how the ban list uh, ban list actually is shaped, because Wizards is going to be picking up the ban list essentially for the two player dual Commander. Thanks yep. to it being on Magic Online. So we'll see if that spills over at all, or maybe they just pick up multiplayer commander as well and start having an official Wizards run ban list for that. So it'll be interesting. This will be an exciting summer for commander players for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we started talking about that, and I, I think it was a great point that we came up with that uh, with them adopting this kind of 1v1 commander and having this be an official thing on Moto, I, I do think it will pressure the normal kind of EDH, you know, casual, whatever you want to call it, th this to kind of adopt some of that because uh, I think when people are getting exposure to this format or they're going on a moto and they're kind of jumping into EDH for the first time or seeing, you know, people stream this now or, you know, th the results and they're seeing like, oh, no soul ring because in 1v1 it's even <laughs> more crazy in that format. And I've, you know, played uh, 1v1 in Dual Commander for quite some time. Uh, when you see some of these cards like Soul Ring there on there and, and them working really closely uh, with the uh, the Dual Commander crew and adopting this and getting used to that, going back to the other Commander, you know, format and, you know, now suddenly having uh, Soul Ring again, I think it's going to put more pressure on uh, Sheldon and, and kind of their little group there to kind of peer pressure there that people are getting exposure to this and, 
you know, people saying like, you know, this kind of needs to happen because it's clearly working here. You know, people are getting exposed to it here. So we just need to kind of have a little bit of uh, continuity there. Yeah. And I think it'll look weird if you uh, go to play a competitive commander format and Soul Ring is banned, for example. And then you go to play a casual format where it's not supposed to be as spiky and those cards are legal. So maybe it'll kind of force people's right. hand, just the perception of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited uh, all around about them adopting that and seeing where that goes, because I, I do think it can make some good positive changes uh, for the, the EDH community at large, even outside of the dual commander because of those instances and because people getting exposed to that and seeing like, well, if it's banned here, how can it possibly where it's like more of a ca- like you just said, a, a casual setting, I mean, people playing Soul Ring and a Mana Vault and all this stuff seems a lot more powerful than some random 8-drop, even though I think, like, yeah, Silver and Primordial is a good card, but is it really more powerful than Soul Ring and Mana Vault and all that stuff that's still around? Um, yeah, no knock to Sheldon and all them. I, I do think generally they, they get it right, and they've, you know, kind of steered EDH in the right direction all this time, but uh, I can kind of see now uh, being more exposed to EDH and playing it more that there's kind of that pushback where it's like, what are you guys doing sometimes? Yeah. And it's weird because Wizards has the final authority. So even when they make bannings that people don't like, I think people are just kind of like, eh, whatever. But since this is not Wizards, I think people are more willing to like push back against the commander ban list because it doesn't have the same sort of authority that wizards has when they ban a card in modern or in standard or whatever. Absolutely. So unfortunate as it is, Leovold is gone. Um, yeah, I didn't expect that to last too long, but oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can fully understand it. So I'm not here like making a huge stink about it. Uh, it's just, it just had to go. It, It really did promote a lot of not good fun games. So, uh, and it was like the best colors too, so it's just all around crazy. Yeah. Um, Seth, we have a lot of fish mail. We have... I haven't read these. I haven't read fish mail in a long time, so this is gonna be fun. <laughs> we have a ton of fish mail, so so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's get to that. All right. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> um. I... All right. By mean mean pork. Uh, when is the MTG Goldfish D&D podcast with Budget Commander as DM happening? Oh, that would be actually really fun. I know Tomer has mentioned doing some sort of uh, D&D content, so we'll see. I don't know if it'll happen or what it would be, but I know that's on his radar because he loves D&D. Awesome. That that would be great. I would. <laughs> I think that would be pretty fun for us to do an adventure. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be happening fairly soon. Who knows? At J is for Junior. What's the best cycling deck for Standard you've seen so far? Esper Teamer look like viable options. But they look like viable options. Okay, that wasn't a question. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I I haven't seen too many dedicated cycling decks yet. I guess we were talking about the Emerge decks playing Drakehaven out of the sideboard. More for the discard part of it than the cycling part. But I, I think there could be a new perspective stack. Just as far as, like a cycling controlling deck, I think I would lean towards Esper probably being the best one. In a lot of the control decks we saw are playing uh, sensors, cast outs, the cycling land. So if those count as cycling decks, maybe a blue-white or Esper colors. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards like traditional blue-red or even Grixis or uh, Jeskai. I kind of feel that blue-red 
needs to be a part of that. I just think there's a lot of good stuff uh, in those colors to build around Drakehaven. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I do see the merits in Esper, but I don't know so much about Teamer, but uh, it could certainly happen. There's a lot of uh, possibilities there. Um, so at Archie Galway 1, Saffron Olive, ever thought of taking a trip to a small Japanese tournament? For some reason, I think you would make a lot of friends there. <laughs> I, uh, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll go to Japan and, and check out the tournament scene. I do love the decks. There's always tons of interesting decks coming out of Japan. There are. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, okay. At Psalm Zero ND, uh, would Oath of Nyssa be, would Oath of Nyssa been a better ban? Keep the combo alive, but mess with its mana. I think Felidar Guardian just had to be the one to go. Yeah, that that is that's that I don't even know the example of that. That's like banning remand or something to take care of Splinter Twin. Like I just <laughs> yeah. you, you can't do that. That that wouldn't be good yeah. because and the other thing that people miss is there's like Liliana was a combo with Felidar Guardian. People ask yep. why Sahili Rai, uh why not Sahili Rai? And it's because Felidar Guardian is gonna be in standard for like two more years and there's gonna be more cards that'll combo with it most likely. So just Cut the heart out, get rid of the problem once and for all, be done with it. Yep. Okay. At AJ Hewitt, what is your favorite sandwich? What side? Hmm. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, mm. Well, it's got to be a hot dog for you, right, Chaz? Oh, don't get me started <laughs> with this this, this newfangled sandwich uh, <laughs> definition. Okay, so actually my favorite sandwich... Um, I don't know, maybe other people actually know about this that are listening. Um, there was a deli called Cameron's Deli. It was right near my high school. Uh, and the, the main kind of everyone in the whole, like, county knew about this sandwich, uh, the Cluckin' Russian. And it was a, uh, it was a chicken cutlet with, uh, monster cheese, bacon, and Russian dressing on a roll and that was like the staple everyone knew about it everyone loved it and it was great no side i I mean it was just like straight up you don't you don't need a side with the sandwich it was so good that sounds that actually does sound pretty good it's pretty good right yeah i'm i'm just gonna go with the turkey and swiss i think i don't have a great story like jazz but i like me some turkey (laughs) it's uh you know basic but good yeah uh speaking of basics um so at billiam was taken uh, basics for nine-year-old sons, free win, red beta, Arabian Nights, APOC, or mismatched. Looking for max tilt equity. Oh, man. Well, well, mismatched has to be the most max tilt. Yeah, mis- right mismatch white border, I think, is, is oh, the yeah, max has to be tilt the equity. Yeah. That is <laughs> that is awful <laughs> right there. Um, okay. At Djaric... MTG, uh, could suspending cards be an alternative to bans in standard, avoids losing cash, and could be changed to keep format fresh? Um, I, I think we answer this a lot. I don't think any kind of suspending or kind of reducing the number or, you know, like, restricting or anything like that, I think it's just too convoluted. I think it's either it's legal or it's banned, especially in standard. Yeah, I think the complexity is just too much to do stuff like that. And I think you still have financial ramifications. Like, if your card's suspended, it's still going to go down in value. So I don't know if it even solves the problem it's hoping to solve. Uh, So at Des Comdarja, 
Uh, just returned to MTG recently. My first deck was destroyed by Copter's banning. Ugh. Decided to try Legacy <laughs> Miracles. Jinx? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's brutal. That that's is, awful. That is, yeah. Uh, yeah? That has to sorry. be. Yeah, that's, I am sorry. That really sucks. Um, that's especially my only <laughs> condolence is it doesn't really happen that much. Like, that's probably not going to happen all too often. You are just in the, very small percentage that <laughs> would happen to. So I guess you're special. I don't know. And I mean, the upside is a lot that of sucks. your, I'm sorry. A lot of your miracle cards are still fine. Like your dual lands, yeah, your fetch true. lands. So like, yeah, it sucks that top isn't there and, and treat with angels is worth a dollar instead of $2 or whatever it was. But you're the biggest part of your investment's not really going to lose because of it. Yeah. Um, so at think- hash brown monster, uh, with Top Gone and Legacy, does Scroll Rack jump in value? Is Legacy closer to dying? Well, I don't think Legacy's uh, closer to I don't know dying. How, closer to dying. I mean, I don't know how much more it could take <laughs> before it's like... I mean, I'm th- pretty sure it's been flatlined for a while. I mean, I okay, I, I understand before all the comments, people do play Legacy. It is fun. I get it. But in terms of, like, being a mainstream, you know, covered and, you know, having these large, super large events all the time... And kind of not too long ago, having, you know, SCG Legacy opens and watching them on stream, uh, it's just been so far from that for so long. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, as far as Scroll Rack, there's just no substitute for top. I've heard different things no, suggested, not. and there's just not another card in Magic that does what top does. Nope. So I think that there's no sense in trying to find a substitute. It's just not there. Yeah, and that's probably a good thing to be honest. Uh, okay, so at Tom Simons, uh, can we please get Leovold added to the Legacy Movers and Shakers? None of the T-Chess cards are on there. Oh, well, once Richard gets back from vacation, uh, all right. I will yes. uh, suggest that to him. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll get that uh, squared away. Um, at Adopt MTG Tokens, how do you guys feel about the Commander Rules Committee? Do you think it's time for Wizards to take over? <laughs> well, uh, we just uh, kind of talked about that. Um, I don't think, I don't know if Wizards will take over the kind of the general EDH uh, ban list, but I do think uh, we we talked about them uh, kind of indirectly influencing uh, the Commander Rules Committee by kind of adopting this dual commander and having people exposed to this on MTGO in these leagues. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, and we'll we'll see. I mean, I think yeah. they generally do a good job. Could Wizards take it over with the Moto stuff? Maybe. Uh, but we just got to wait and see. Uh, at Josh underscore Jar Manning, uh, who draws these silly cartoons that you use for the video thumbnails, and when did you start doing this? Uh, this started maybe a month ago. Yeah, and about a month ago. We have a thumbnail guy now. I actually, I think his name is An- Andre, something like that. But he's not like a a known artist. So I'm going to have to look and see if I can find his social media media or something. Because a lot of people have asked and like the art. So I, I will have to look into it. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, it's 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 great uh, to see these thumbnails. It's it's really awesome. I think uh, the has a, has a really unique style to them, so I think that's why everyone's really been asking. Um, at Gamilio, uh, can you elaborate, and if they aren't, uh, why'd they make Bicycle Lands, reprint Avon, and make the Red Hate Bear a 2-2? Oh, I think the one below it goes with it. It's like two pieces. Oh, uh, you all previously said the writing is on the wall. 
in RE reprinting enemy colored fetch lands. Okay, so these this is a two part question, uh, and then about the bicycle lands reprint Avon and the red hate bear. Um, I'm kind of against the the colored fetch lands coming back, uh, but I I guess some of these printing like these a couple of these cards could foreshadow that i'm just not sure it's a lot yeah i think it's possible they come back to the standard i think it's even likely over the long term but are they going to come back in this standard i don't know i probably the odds are against it for any individual standard but sooner or later i think wizards will just want the sweet sweet fetch land money in a big standard yeah, set uh, maybe i mean they've been doing fairly well without them to be uh you know to to kind of look back and I, I don't know i think marrow is kind of on record saying that they don't really want fetch lands but you know you never know if uh things start to slip what's the better way to get things back on track than fetch lands so uh, i could definitely see it happening even though i would not like it very much sepic 121 what do you think played a bigger part in the feldar band the magic internet forms rage or two days data from ntgo pretty sure it had to be the community (laughs) i don't think it's data that's for sure because the data was already there yeah i I think it was definitely the response from the community that was the biggest thing yeah at a raining dark rider uh, in what format do you see playing head games, both the card and the wonderful troll factor? Uh, looking uh, up head well, games. Uh, head games, I think it's from Onslaught. Yep. Okay, Seth. Okay, what is it's it, from Chaz? Onslaught. It's black. Yep. It's three generic and two black. Yep. It, it's something about, like, you reveal the top seven cards and, like, you get to exile any amount of them or something? Like, you're non-land? S- you're sort of close. Uh, your opponent oh. puts all the cards from their hand on top of their library, then you okay. search their library for that many cards and put it into their hand, and then they shuffle. Oh, sweet. So it's like you give them a new hand. All right, yeah. I don't know. I always thought it was a pretty cool card. I just don't think it cuts it, or cut, you know, it's going to cut it for com- uh, constructed, but, uh, yeah, and then the troll factor, like, in head games, actual, like, mind games in terms of uh, competitive play, I mean, that's always really a thing, no matter what format. Yeah, I mean, you probably find some combo for it, like uh, Psychogenic Probe deals damage when your opponent shuffles Ooh. their library. Turn it into like a five mana shock. <laughs> that'll that'll teach them. <laughs> I thought you were gonna give me some great combo. You give me a shock <laughs> for, for rearranging their entire hand. I think I think if anyone could do it, you could do it. So well, maybe against the odds, I'll add head games to oh, a future yes. against the odds poll. So yes, at David versus X. For the new commander set, what would a legendary Jun werewolf look like? Um, hopefully nothing like the one that they gave us in Eldritch Moon. Uh, it, it needs to like create werewolf, like wolves and like a be like a pack master kind of thing, right? Like I know hunt master, but it's kind of a thing, but I think literally if they made a legendary version of that in some form, like that would have been fine. Yeah, I think that's what you want, is like a, a combination of Huntmaster and Arlencord, but on a legendary sure. creature. So it flips, it makes things, maybe it pumps your wolves when it's flipped. Like, combine those things together, and uh, then you have a pretty sweet legendary werewolf. At J.K. Donati, uh, could Seth do a behind-the-scene video where he shows his details, it shows in details his video editing workflow? Oh, that would be interesting, Seth. I'll, I will add it to the to-do list. It might be a while, but I will add it to <laughs> yes. the list. It is it's a very long list <laughs> at this point. Um, at Viper Johnny B, I want to buy a candelabra. What's the legality of the reserve list? 
and chances of it going away. I don't want to get burned. I don't think you really have to worry about the reserve list. Um, and this is coming from someone who doesn't actually like the reserve list at all and would like to see it gone. Um, I, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. Yeah, Wizards just restated with Iconic Masters that yes. they aren't planning on getting rid of the reserve list. Could it happen eventually? Yeah, I think that that's something that could happen if we get to the point where Magic is failing and Wizards does something desperate, but that doesn't seem likely, and I don't know. It seems like it's here to stay. And Candelabra is kind of in that really old low supply category anyway, where even if there were new border copies... I think it's going to still maintain a decent amount of value just because Antiquities is super rare. Yeah, I think actually, uh, did you write an article about this, Seth, or was this over uh, Twitter that uh, regardless of how many printings uh, there are of certain cards, like, it doesn't mean, I mean, we look even at, like, Beta Sarah Angel. That didn't, (laughs) it didn't do anything to that, uh, you know, those original printings. So uh, I don't think it'll do much to a Candelabra. Yeah, those cards are like collector's items. It's like making prints of the Mona Lisa. The original Mona Lisa isn't worth less because you have a poster print of it on your wall. That doesn't work that way. So I think when you get back to like uh, Alpha, Beta, Antiquities, Legends, like those four sets are pretty much collector's items at this point, I think, and would be very unaffected if there was the end of the reserve list. Yeah, and I know I kind of said, you know, answered with like, I think, but I- I'm pretty confident that the-, the reserve list is not going away. So just to kind of reiterate that, um, I'm fairly confident on that. At Gendar Mace 13, or no, sorry, uh, Palazzo 47, uh, with a yearly Masters Commander anthology set and masterpieces in each set, are we experiencing any burnout? Maybe, I mean, maybe slightly, but I, I think I think what Wizards really is genuinely trying to do is have multiple products to choose from for all kind of walks of magic player i mean the game has now grown to uh a you know a size that there's all these different types of players now it's not something that was like 10 years ago when you had like a few million people i mean we're up to a huge size uh, of players and you know a lot of different players want a lot of different things out of the game and i think providing uh more products to the you know all these types of players is is a positive. Yeah, I think that you just as a player you have to start ignoring products that you don't care about or aren't for you. Like doing content and stuff, kind of got to cover everything. But there are certain products that, in my personal life, I just don't really care about. I'm not going to buy them. They other than doing the content and stuff on them, they just aren't for me, and that's fine. So I think it's a matter of learning as a Magic player how to pick and choose what you do care about and what you don't play about. Care about. Yep. Agreed. At Gendar Maze 13, I want to start playing modern and I've opened some masterpieces. What's the best way to get the max value from them? Um, I do think like TCG slash eBay is probably the way to go on this. Um, if not locally, um, I, I do think if you're trying to get the max, I mean, I would say buy list, but, um, you know, that's probably, that's, you're going to want that to be your last option if you really want to start, uh, getting the most, you know, as much as you can of a modern deck. 
Yeah, number one, I think, is see if you can find a local to trade with. Yeah. Maybe you can find someone that wants your masterpiece and you get full retail in modern cards for it. So that would be ideal. Otherwise, I agree with you, Chaz. I think that TCG and eBay is the best way for that. Also, like, Facebook groups. If you look for, like, yes. high-end Facebook groups and stuff, you might be able to find someone that'll pay you above eBay or comparable with less shipping and fees from a group like that. At Peter Pescua. Uh, going to start mass organizing my paper cards. How should I start? Sort by color, first then sets. Any good resources? Yeah, that's a pretty massive undertaking. I know, you know, everyone kind of has their own <laughs> cataloging uh, <laughs> kind of uh, philosophies here. So it's really whatever makes sense to you. Um, I, I would recommend there's some uh, scanning software out there that could help. Uh, if you wanted to somehow turn that into a buy list or an exportable um, uh, CF CSV file, um, you can look into um, the Ion Scanner or Scryglass or wh wh any of those. That Those certainly do help. Yeah, I have never used the scanners, but I've heard good things about them. So that's definitely a possibility. As far as actually sorting the cards, I think it's really up to you. Just take it in small chunks. I don't mm -hmm. think it especially matters if you sort by rarity, then color, then set. Probably the fastest is like rarity color set, I guess, is the direction I would probably go unless you're already sorted by rarity. I think sorting by set without sorting any other way first gets really overwhelming and you're just going to have so many piles yeah. of cards because there's so many sets. So it's easier to break it down into a smaller chunk and then go to sets. Um, at Paradoxical Data, uh, who is your favorite underrated commander? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with... There's a lot. I mean... Um, Blind Seer. What's that one do, Chaz? Which one? Blind Seer. Ooh. Uh, it's a blue card. It is. It's from Invasion. Oh, very good. It's a 2-2 two, two for 4, I think. It's like 2 and 2 blue. Uh, three three. But three, you're three? you're correct with everything else. Yep, three three. Okay. But what's his ability? Um, oh, <laughs> it's so bad. I can't remember. I think it has to do something with like changing the color of something, or yeah, I, I yeah, can't you, remember. You pay one in a blue, and you can change the color of target spell or permanent oh, until end goodness. of turn. All right. Yeah, that was pretty good. Sweet. I got I got most of the way there. Most of the way there. Um. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good one. Uh, a lot of those, like, um, what's that? Uh, like, Rain Academy Chancellor. Like, all those, like, weird legends from a long time ago are all pretty underrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you can actually search in the legend set, and you can find a ton of them <laughs> that are just generic, like, 6-5 legends that are, like, 7 mana for no reason. Say, take your pick. <laughs> um. At J.K. Donati, um, on MTG Coalfish, why do you track TCG mid instead of the new, more accurate accurate market price? Uh, TCG mid can be way off. Uh, I think the biggest... I think... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I, I was just saying, I think Richard was trying to make that change, but there was like a reason why that didn't happen. Yeah, I think that the problem right now is TCG hasn't released... Uh, the API and the software necessary right. to support market pricing. I think they will, and that Goldfish will most likely switch to it once it's available, but right now, TCG hasn't made that available, so we're kind of waiting on that. Fair enough, so there you have it. I think that's it for the fish mail, Seth. That was a lot. That was awesome. Uh, great questions. Uh, as always, send those in every week. Uh, 
Best way to get them answered is using the hashtag MTGFishmail, but uh, we do try to pull them from uh, every corner now. So uh, if we don't get to them, uh, don't be discouraged. We will get to them at some point. Uh, sometimes it's just a lot. Uh, we try to work in as many as we can, but uh, really great questions. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, thanks for sending the questions, everyone. So give us more for next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seth. Anything out the door? Oh, yeah. I uh, I guess this could be a goal fishing. Uh, how was your pre-release? Because I, I caught a little bit of the stream, but then I had to go. Um, sound like you were enjoying yourself. It was a lot of fun. The games were really close. Open to Gideon. Ended up going 4-1, and one, which is uh, pretty reasonable. Yeah. So the, the first stream was really fun, and people seem to love Amoncat Limited. I've heard some pros saying that this might literally be the best limited format of all time, which is very high praise, but it seems like generally very positive review, uh, views about Amoncat Limited. Yeah, I've I've seen that too over the weekend that if if it's one of, if not the best, I don't know if that's like kind of pushing it, but I can certainly see the argument. I mean, it's really fun. Yeah, it, it kind of just felt like there was a lot of things to be doing in a lot of different colors and there's not like, yeah, there's some bombs like Glorybringer and stuff like that, that it's like kind of unfortunate, but it feels like not any one thing is like totally unbeatable, right? Like I, I feel like every, you, you have your chances, right? Like it's not like completely bomby and swingy and it's just like no chance. Uh, I never really felt like I didn't have a chance in any one of the games. And a lot of them have been really competitive. I, I just did not have very many blowouts, uh, sans like, you know, complete like, you know, mana starving or just a drawing a terrible hand or having a mulligan. But, uh, every game I've played, uh, and I've played, I drafted all weekend, went to two pre-releases, you know, planning on drafting again. Um, it's really fun. I mean, it's just really fun. I, I think the mechanics are the big reason because... Yeah, I think so too. Uh, cycling, for example, you helps you yeah. find your lands when you need it, leads to less non-games. Embalm is surprisingly relevant in Limited because there were games I played where you would kind of have nothing to do. You're playing off the top of your deck, but you have a couple random Embalm creatures in your graveyard. So in a normal game in another format, you would just be passing your turn, doing nothing, feeling kind of bad about it. But in the worst case, you're casting a random Aftermath card or you're embalming something back. So it felt like you were doing something all the time, more so than a lot of other formats, just because of the mechanics and how they work. Yeah, if it's one thing I really don't like, uh, just so I'm not, like, completely, like, there's one, a couple cards I really don't like, it's, um, oh, man, what is that, what is that card that puts brick counters on, and, like, they, you can't attack or block, that card is obnoxious, that card is just really obnoxious, I forget what it's called, it's like a temple or something, you put brick counters on it, but, oh, I, I Pyramid that of the card. Pantheon, that yeah, one, yeah, there it is, oh, my, I have that in my, my first sealed pool, and I thought it was good, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's just obnoxious. So, like, uh, I hate playing against it. It's so <laughs> annoying. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Are you talking about the one that taps creatures? Or the one that adds mana? I got No, it. they they can't attack or block. Yeah. And then, like, once you have three brick counters, they can't use their abilities yeah. either. Oh, I got wrecked by that card. I was thinking oh, of the card. other brick counter card. Yeah, that oh, card yeah. is so obnoxious. Yeah, It's I so agree. obnoxious. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hate that card. <laughs> And, uh, actually, uh, over, you know, I didn't see people playing it at first, but now I see, I think people are coming around to that, like, six, man, I think it's either six or s seven, the like, for the six, guy? seven, with, oh, my 
Yeah. That card, so good. Yeah, just... It, you it, literally can't stop that card. It's the abyss. Your opponent just sacks a creature every turn by chump blocking. <laughs> literally. Like, there's, what, one sacrifice uh, effect in the whole set, I think? Yeah, there's not many ways of dealing with it, and it's so big that it's really hard to block. It's so obnoxious, too. And then, like, coupled that with the uh, Ronas's Monument, oh my... <laughs> <laughs> was so awful. I played against that in my last draft. Uh, I ended up going 3-1, but I, I lost. Uh, we were both the 3-0 players, and uh, I just totally got blown out by that. I was like, well, I guess I can't stop a 8-9 uh, you know, <laughs> trampler with Hexproof. Don't have much for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Should have been playing green. <laughs> I did not play green the one time, and that's what happens, Seth. That's what it I always comes back out. to with you, Jazz. It, that's, that's the bottom it's, line. Should have been playing green. The green giveth and the green taketh away. <laughs> uh, it, green is really strong, both in, uh, I think, in standard <laughs> with Amaket and in limited. So really happy. Uh, but, yeah, Seth, this has been a blast. We will have Richard back next week. Um, anything out the door? I think we handled everything. I think we got it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will see you all next time. This is Seth and I signing out. Uh yeah, we'll do this again.